The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the fighter versus the writer. I'm Damon Martin. He's Matt Brown and Matt. Um, I'm going to start off the show on a little somber note on a, on a kind of a downtrodden note. I'm sorry to do this. I've been, uh, I've been kicking off the show the last few months saying I'm, I'm, I'm still speaking to the icon, the legend of the UFC, but Derek Lewis passed your knockout record this past weekend, man. God, Derek, what are you doing, man? You're taking away my intro. <laughs> Yeah, hey, good for him, man. He did a great job, you know. But, but God damn it, Derek, did you have to? And it was right. I don't know if you were following me on Twitter uh, during the fights, but I tweeted like literally as the fight was starting. I hope Derek doesn't get a KO. Thirty <laughs> seconds later, he's got the fucking knockout. Flying, you gotta give him credit. Flying knee out of the gate—that's something you don't see every day from a heavyweight. Yeah, that's what everybody's tweeting me. They're like, like dude, you got to go get the knockout record. And you have to do a flying knee. <laughs> I got to take my underwear off, too, or my, my shorts <laughs> off and walk around my underwear. <laughs> man, you know, good for him, man. But, God, yeah. I was I was loving my time at the top, and now I'm going to have to go back and make another challenge for Derek, man. Little uh, little extra motivation to go out there and get a knockout uh, at UFC three hundred. You know, just throwing that out there. So that's it, man. That's it. <laughs> Hopefully before then. Hopefully before then. Hopefully I can pass the record at UFC three hundred. I like it. I like it. So what's been going on? Obviously, we were off last week. I took a rare vacation, so we were off. But uh, we'd already made our picks and predictions for UFC two ninety one. We'll get into that card in a minute. But uh, what's been going on in the world of Matt Brown these last couple of weeks? Uh, like we were just talking about off air before we started, man, kids are getting ready to go back to school pretty soon. So here I am kind of laying the final, uh, 
groundwork to get them back to school. They got them in all the different sports. So get them back to school and I will start getting ready to fight again. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, I actually take a fight this year. I don't know, but I'll get back to full training and pushing myself and we'll see how we feel this year and maybe make a run for it this year. And yeah, might take till next year. Who knows? But we'll see. Yeah. It's, I know we said this before, like you're in a you're in a good position. Like I, I always I always think about you and like Joe Lozon because I love Joe. And when I talked to Joe before his last fight, he's like, yeah, but he's like, I'm in a good position. Like I don't need to fight right now. He's like, if a good one comes along, I can take it. But I don't need to do this. I can you know I can do this. I can do that. Like you know, not that you don't want to fight. No, you want to fight. But like it's like you don't have to. Like you don't have to. Like oh man, I got to rush back in there and fight in October. Like you can you know you can kind of pick your spots a little bit now. You've earned that right. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a nice thing, man, knowing that I can kind of do it when I want to do it. Um, but, man, that, that card over the weekend had me fired the fuck up, bro. Like, <laughs> man, it was hard to go to sleep that night. That's, yeah, to be honest, that's why I don't usually stay up and watch the fights because it's not so much just staying up till 1 in the morning to watch the fights, but once you stay up till 1 in the morning and you see a fight like uh, that Gagey Poirier, like, how do you go to sleep after that? I mean, your adrenaline's pumping, like, yeah, those guys, you know, what a fight, you know, just the whole card. And then with uh, Crawford doing what he did, I mean, I was just buzzing, man. I didn't fall asleep till 4 or 5 in the morning. Dude, that's why, like, I, I always work the pay-per-views, and uh, I always work to, like, 5 in the morning. And people are like, man, aren't you exhausted? Aren't you tired? And I was like, honestly, I mean, don't get me wrong. If it's a bad card, yeah, I'll get a little exhausted or whatever. But, like, generally speaking like when it's that like watching justin gage do what he did on saturday night like dude i'm amped up i'm i'm running on adrenaline like i don't i actually have to like when the fights are over i have to go out and like sit down watch a little tv and just kind of like bring myself down because i'm just yeah. so like high after the fight so like for me it's the opposite like i need to find a way to sleep because i'm like so amped up afterwards and like it's just a it's an adrenaline rush even just watching the fight so yeah i mean this dude and listen we talked about Gaethje Poirier. You know, I told you I lean Poirier, but I could easily see Gaethje winning. And you kind of said the same thing. You like, you pick Gaethje, but you're like, I hope Dustin doesn't get mad because it's a good fight, dude. Who who could have seen that coming though? To see Justin Gaethje launch a head kick to knock out Dustin Poirier, first guy since Michael Johnson did it back in like 2016 to knock out Dustin Poirier, insane. That was absolutely insane. And then the whole thing with the exact same kick that Leon Edwards landed on Murray <laughs> Usman. Yeah. Yeah. Just insane. And uh, yeah, like you said, who could have expected that man? Poirier doesn't get knocked out that easy. Right. <laughs> so man, you know, you gotta get props to Gagey, bro. He threw the right kick at the right time. And um, yeah, Dustin didn't see it coming. So yeah, what a great, just a great fight, man. I want to see them fight about five more times. <laughs> Dude, it was amazing. Let me ask, because, like, I see it as an observer, but you're a fighter, so you see things I don't see. I, I fully understand that. Justin has talked a lot about the changes he's made in his game, showing more patience, you know, showing more, you know, not just going out there and having a barn burner brawl every time he steps in there to fight. Now, there were a couple of those moments in that first round, but you could see he actually did seem like he was showing patience. He wasn't just winging punches. He wasn't just stepping into combinations. He wasn't just marching forward. Like, he was actually countering a little bit early and Dustin was the aggressor but I'm curious like as a guy who who knows Justin and, and watches the fights like do you see 
that dramatic difference in Justin now versus Justin like three or four years ago? Because I do see it. He's still a monster, still a nasty fighter, but saw it in the physique fight where he just he wasn't just like going in there and winging it, man. He was really biting down and having like a real technical game plan. Did it again against Poirier. I mean, I'm just super impressed by that. Yeah, I've seen it too, man. I thought it was a great strategy by Gagey. I thought it, it looked like Dustin was kind of picking up some steam, actually, is what it looked like to me. Like, Dustin was starting to find his timing a little bit. He was certainly the aggressor um, for the, uh, you know, for as long as the fight lasted. He was coming forward. It seemed to me like he was starting to find his timing and and was doing well. And, you know, I wouldn't say Gagey just pulled out a miracle shot or anything, but, you know, he pulled out a very smart, very slick, um, you know, little two-strike combo that landed great, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it looked to me like, you know, Dustin was doing all the right things. You know, he didn't make – he wasn't making big mistakes. He didn't um, – it didn't seem like Justin didn't set that up some special way or anything. I mean, he just threw the right combo at the right time, and uh, Dustin made a small little mistake. And, you know, when you got two guys like that with that much power and that much um, – you know, they're throwing that much into their shots every time – you know, things like that are going to happen. And that's what I said. If, if we watch them fight five times, I bet Dustin is able to do that to Justin some, at some point. And I bet, you know, some of them are wars and some of them are back and forth. And, you know, you just never know what's going to happen when you put those two together. But um, it, it certainly looked to me like Justin was looking good and probably was planning on coming on a little bit harder in the later rounds. And, uh, but, um, you know, Dustin, I thought he was setting everything up well and, or, or moving well, you know, starting to build, uh, uh, you know, he was being aggressive, right? He's starting to build a foundation for the fight. And I think both of them probably expected it to go longer, but hey man, Justin did a great job. You got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious because afterwards, you know, Dustin was very honest and said, you know, listen, like, you know, I still love it. I still have the fire. I still want to fight, but you know, um, you know, the goal was the title. I mean, he has money. You know, he made a boatload of money from those two Connor fights. He's had a long career. Um, and he said, honestly, he's like, you know, when they offered me Benil Dariush, I just was didn't get me excited, so I didn't take it. The Gaethje fight got him excited because he's like, there's a real danger there that got him excited. But he's like, now I just don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't know, like <sighs> – I like I'm of the mindset, dude. Like you know, I I I think it was a quote. I can't remember. You may have said it. I can't remember who said it to me the first time, but it was something like, "I want to retire from the sport. I don't want the sport to retire me." You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's a great. Now, Dustin losing to Justin Gaethje is certainly there's no shame in that. Dustin, you know, Justin Gaethje is a monster, but I also understand Dustin's point of view where he's saying like, "I don't want to fight just to fight. Like, I don't want to." You know, I want to just get offered any fight. Like, if they offered him Rafael Fazeev, like Rafael Fazeev, like, I don't know that's real. Like, is it a dangerous fight? Yes. Is it a good fight? Sure. But is Dustin going to be like, oh, man, I can't wait to fight Rafael Fazeev? You know what I mean? Like, is that good? You know, so I don't know. Like, Dustin's in a weird spot now because there's only really a couple options out there for him. You know, maybe he gets the Oliveira rematch. If Oliveira loses to Makachev, that's a possibility. And I guess you could always do the Connor thing again. You know, because that's always going to be a moneymaker. And, you know, I'm sure Dustin would gladly take another eight-figure payday to beat up Connor for a third time. But, like, right. he's, in a, he's in a weird spot. Like, Daniel Cormier said it after the fight. He's like, I hope I hope this isn't the last we see a Dustin Poirier. But, like, honestly, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, I think there's only a couple options out there for him. And, and I get it. Like, he's in a position where he doesn't need to just take any fight. And I understand that. But 
realistically, like there's only a couple of like really good options out there. So I, I don't know, like maybe we have seen him for the last time. Well, that's the interesting thing about this sport, right? We all, we could say that after so many fights, but there's always another fight, right? Like <laughs> things change in the division overnight all the time. And some things are going to come up and we're going to want to see him fight again. I think he's going to want to fight again. He's still too young. There's still too much money to be made. And to be honest, like it's not out of the question for him to still get another title shot, right? Like that's not like a, you know, a far reaching thing for him. Like he still has a good track record. You know, he lost to Justin Gagey, you know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, he goes out there and wins a couple, puts together another couple wins and he's still a big name. Um, I don't think we've seen the last time by any means. Well, I also think that you, you mentioned there, like, you know, <laughs> we, we get lost in the moment. Sometimes we're prisoners of the moment in the sport a lot of times, but like when Charles Oliveira got steamrolled by Isla Makachev, who would have imagined one fight later, he would have got the rematch, right? Like that fight yeah. wasn't close. Like it wasn't, he got beat and then submitted, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't out a close fight comes out. Beats Benil Dariush super impressively, and we don't forget about that first fight. But he's already in the rematch. D- Dustin losing to Gaethje, like okay, yes, it's a, it's a it's a it's a bad it's a tough loss. Sucks getting knocked out. But if, if he ends up, let, let's just say he fights Oliveira. Let's say Oliveira loses to Makachev again, and they rematch Oliveira and Poirier. Poirier beats Oliveira this time. He can easily just get right back into a title shot, like one fight. And he's yeah. back in the title yeah. shot. So, like, I think that's very realistic. He just may have to wait. A, he may have to wait a little while to get that fight he wants. So, yeah. So, I, like, I don't think I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Dustin wins one fight. It's just he may have to bide his time. He may have to sit out. He may sit out the rest of the year. And listen, we're already on, you know we're already basically in August now. We are in August now. So, um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like he sits out for four months, waits for a couple of things to play out, jumps right back in there again. Gaethje lost to Oliveira, beat. Fiziev beat uh, Poirier. Now he's getting a title shot. You're ne- when you're a guy like Dustin Poirier or Justin Gaethje, you're never more than one good win away from being a title shot, a title fight. Right. That's exactly it. And I think you said it perfectly. You know, we just might not see it right away. Like the division's going to shake out and who knows how, right? So, you know, give it a little bit of time. There's going to be opportunities out there for him. And uh, whether he takes them or not, you know, it's going to be a personal decision. I think more so than whether there's going to be Uh, a great fight out there for him to take. I think that's what it's really going to come down to. You know, does he have that fire still? Does he still want to put in the work to be a champion, you know, fighting these top 10 guys? Or does he want to call it a day, you know? Because the fights will come up. I mean, right now we're not really seeing anything that makes a lot of sense for him. But, you know, it it always plays out differently than the way we see it. Yeah, I mean, that's just. That's just a sport, right? Everything always plays out completely different than the way we see it. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask. I am curious because I had this question to myself kind of afterwards because I'm a – listen, I'm a big believer in this new Justin Gaethje. I think he's looked incredible and, like, he's so dangerous yet still showing a lot different skills than he used to. Like, I think it's just really, like, unbelievable to see the growth he's made in these last few fights – of course, now he's the number one contender. He's he's most likely going to get the winner of Oliveira and Makachev, and it probably won't be until next year, which, again, is fine because they're fighting at the very end of October. Um, I'm curious, like, if you're Justin Gaethje, who, do you, who, who does he have a better chance of beating, Makachev or Oliveira? Now, let's be honest, he had Oliveira hurt and, you know, obviously had that fight with him and had him hurt, and then, you know, he got caught and got finished. It is what it is. Again, credit to Oliveira. 
Um, but I'm curious, like, does it, is that, it, should he become like an Oliveira fan now? Like, should he be rooting for him to beat Makachev? Or, 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 or would you want Makachev? Because obviously he's not, listen, Makachev isn't Khabib. He's not. I mean, he's very, very good, but he's not Khabib. So it's a different fight. People need to let that go. Like, yes, he's Khabib's teammate, his, his, his friend, his family member, whatever. But he's not Khabib. He's, he's making his own legacy. But if you're Justin Gaethje, who, do you, who, who does he have a better chance against? Is it Makachev or is it Oliveira? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the two fight against each other, where they're at, where their heads are at, and where they're at physically. And uh, like Makachev, for instance, you know, I'd be interested to see in how his stand-up is improving. You know, maybe his um, uh, how his takedown setups and how he's getting people to the ground, how that works, how he does on the ground versus Oliveira. You know, I think there's a lot to be seen in this fight. And I think either fight is such a uh, crazy matchup for Gagey. I don't think he's going to be rooting one way or another, but I think that, you know, he's going to see a lot um, out of both those guys, you know, whoever wins, he's going to see a lot. And, um, you know, that's going to be, you know, yeah, he's going to have to watch that fight, you know, and which I'm sure he will. Right. And he's going to see what we're going to see. I think, uh, I'll say it right now. I think Gaethje is going to be a tough matchup for either of them. I mean, obviously the Oliveira one's an easier one to say that because he fought him and it was a really good fight until, you know, it ended. But I, I don't just give Makachev a pass. Like, he's not just going to steamroll Gaethje. I just don't see that. Like, I think people kind of forget Gaethje was, you know, Gaethje was going after Khabib pretty hard in that first round. Now, again, Khabib turned it around and finished him in the second, but... You know, like, I don't count out Gaethje for beating either of those guys. Like, I know that we've all kind of, listen, we're all very high on, on Islam Makachev for a good reason, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Justin Gaethje beats him. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm a big believer in this new Justin Gaethje, and, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's crazy to think he could beat Islam. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, th I guess it kind of, you know, if, if that fight ends up happening, I think, it, obviously, it's probably going to come down to the wrestling. If he can stop his takedowns, you know, that's Islam's game plan most of the time. And that seems to be, uh, I mean, that's what Khabib did to him, was able to finally get get him down to the ground. And, you know, he submitted him pretty easy from there. So, yeah, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. It's going to be, if they end up fighting, it's going to be a wrestling battle. And, of course, on the feet, again, that's where I'm kind of like, we need to see Islam in this fight, see how his stand-up is progressing. Because you know that Oliveira will put that to the test. Like, you know, if you can outstrike Charles Oliveira, like you're a hell of a good striker. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at with that. And uh, I think, again, we're just going to have to watch and see. I don't think we're going to – I think that's one of them that's really hard to predict going forward. And I don't think that um, Gagey ha has a lot to say about it right now. I mean, he's going to be – I don't think he would pick one or the other, I guess, is what more what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Did you see your boy, uh, Connor McGregor chiming in like right after the fight saying like, dude, I listen, I love Connor and I love his opportunistic, uh, his, his opportunistic ways. Like he always loves to chime in after fights, but he jumped in. He's like, I'm the real BMF. I'll slap Gagey or whatever. And he's like, you know, he basically said, fuck Chandler. I want the Gagey fight. And I'm like, dude, I get it. You're Connor McGregor. You can demand, you know, far more than the average MMA fighter, but Good Lord, dude. Like, get back in the USADA pool, first off. Like, that still hasn't happened. And uh, and, and you build a whole season of the Ultimate Fighter around fighting Michael Chandler. And, like, dude, like, you, listen, I know it's going to – I know it's harsh to say the word deserves because I always say never use the word deserves in this sport. But, like, 
Connor doesn't deserve a Gaethje fight. Like he's he's coming off two losses to Dustin Poirier. Like the Chandler fight was perfect, but I I don't know. I had to mention it because it's so hilarious. Like I know he I know that's his move. He loves to do that, especially in the lightweight division. But I'm just like, dude, like we have no idea when you're if you're. I know you've had the, the mindset he's not coming back, but like if you are coming back, dude, fight Chandler. But what what in, outside of a big paycheck, which I get, that's that's real. Like, what does Ga- why would Gaethje fight you? Like, what what was what does that you know? I, like, yeah, maybe he gets a payday, and I think Gaethje beats Dustin. I think Gaethje beats Connor. Like, I don't Bye. think that's a good. You know what I mean? Like, so I I just laughed watching that. I'm like, dude, like, come on, like. I don't want to compare him to Dylan Dennis because obviously he's done a lot more than Dylan Dennis has, but like that's the Dylan Dennis move, like calling out people and like it's never going to happen. Not, like stop, yeah. stop. And I, and I like how Gagey responded to it too. He's like, I don't really care about Conor McGregor. I want the title, right? So yeah. he said the right thing. I mean, that's you, you call it a spot on. You know, Conor likes being in the spotlight. He likes his name being put out there. We're talking about it right now. That's what Conor does. He gets out in the spotlight. And that's why, you know, we, we've he, we've been a lot of people talking negative things about him lately, right? Because that's what he's doing. He's going out there talking his stuff, doing the Dylan Dennis style. You know, it's not going to happen. Like, get in there and fight, bro. Like, this this sport, you can only talk so much, and you got to back it up. That's where Connor made his name, was going in there, talking all that shit, backing it up. That's why we loved him. Now he's talking the shit and sitting on a yacht doing cocaine or drinking proper 11 or whatever the fuck it is. So yeah, no one really cares about it. I I mean, I don't think people care about it nearly as much anymore. Right. Like it's cool. You know, it gives us a little something to talk about, but it's like the impact is getting less and less all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I rolled my eyes at it. Like I didn't used to roll my eyes at things like that. Like I rolled my eyes at it because I was like, like, what like dude if connor comes back and starches michael chandler we can revisit this conversation right like you come back and you do that and i don't know that he will because i think chandler's still a tough matchup for anybody chandler you know doesn't really just fade for anybody you beat michael chandler you starch michael chandler dude i'll 100 back you and, and and revisit this conversation but being out for two and a half years still not in the usada pool now you're basically saying fuck chant like come on dude like i just like i and yeah. i like you know this like when i say these kind of things people are like you're a connor hater i'm not a i actually really like connor i actually like really really like connor i think connor's awesome but um dude this is fighting like you have to fight like you know what i mean like that's the whole point like you have to you have to fight and, and sadly he hasn't fought in two and a half years the last two times we saw him fight he got beat you know what i mean like yeah, it sucks he's broke his leg in that one, but he was getting he was getting handled badly yeah. by Dustin Poirier. Like that was that was like as one sided as we saw him. Like it, Khabib didn't even do that to him that quickly. Like Dustin was just beating him up, and like we need to go out and beat. If you beat Michael Chandler, I'll shut up and you can say whatever you want. But saying it from the sidelines and and, and trying to goad Gaethje into a fight is just like. Dude, I'm oh, and I know we're talking about it. We're giving it the attention he wants, but I'm kind of like, I didn't used to roll my eyes when Connor would say things like that. Now I do. Yeah, I think you're speaking for everybody right now. <laughs> I think that's kind of the common sentiment, right? We're, we do want to see Connor fight. I want to see him fight. You want to see him fight. Everybody wants to see him fight except himself. He's the only one that doesn't want to fight. So, look, 
you know, you got to put up or shut up, bro. That's all it comes down to. You got to get in there and throw some fucking fists or those words every time you say them are just going to have less and less impact and we're going to care less and less. And that's the nature of the sport. People care less about me now because I haven't been active this year, right? Like I had my fight. Everybody's on your nuts when you fight. After, like, people care less and less, you know? So that's just what it is, man. And, you know, even with Connor's uh, brash personality, the all the funny things he says, I mean, if he had a podcast or something, everybody would listen to it, of course. And, you know, he's a great personality, got all that. But this sport is brutal, man. People, they there's all there's too many guys out there fighting right now that everybody's watching everybody's loving you gotta get in there and fight that's what people want to see the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba DraftKings brings you same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the nba postseason winds down and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the co-main event, we saw Alex Pereira make a successful debut at light heavyweight, got a razor-close win over Jan Blachowicz. And, you know, listen, I don't think anyone's going to write home and say that was an amazing fight because it really wasn't. But, um, uh, you know, at, at altitude and everything. And I, and I thought, by the way, I thought Alex won. I had a 29-28, Alex. Did you score it the same way? No, I had a 29-28, Jan. But oh, I, you gave it to Jan? Yeah, I don't think it's a robbery either way. Just, uh, But I do think that last round, I felt that Jan looked terrible, but he was doing just as good as Alex. Like, it was pretty even. Like, ne- neither one in the third round landed anything significant. And then uh, Jan, of course, got the take down the end. I thought that sealed it for him, but what do I know? It was close. I don't. I I said this after the fight. Like, I didn't really have a problem with it. Like it wasn't. It wasn't yeah, one of those fights where I was like, "Man, what a robbery!" I was just like, "Yeah, I guess I got twenty nine, twenty eight Pereira." I guess, and that's kind of kind of how I scored. I was like, "Yeah, I guess he won." But yeah, it wasn't. I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't a great fight. Like you know, Jan Jan was gassed hard after that first round, and you wonder like if he had to been gassed hard, you know, could because he you know he obviously credit to Alex surviving. In that first round, but dude, he was surviving. That's all he was doing. Like he had Jan on his back, and he was just staying out of getting choked out. Uh, and you know, well, and then, after that, and then Jan was surviving after that, right? When he <laughs> had his back against the fence, and 
you know, Pereira was very close to landing one of those big bombs that could have put him out. So, you know, that, that went both ways. Do you get excited about uh, Alex Pereira and Yuri Prohoshka? Because it sure seems like that's the fight we're going to see next. Yeah, does anyone not get excited about that? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's, that's so fun. Dude, Yuri's, yeah. Yuri's so crazy, and Alex is so nat. Dude, did you see how big Alex was? Like, Jan Blahovich is not a small dude, and Alex looked like he was a weight class above him. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, like, Alex and Izzy are pretty similar in size, but I feel like, and maybe I'm just not remembering right, but I feel like when Izzy went up, like, Jan was bigger than him. I feel he like. He was. He was. Yeah. But when Alex went up, I was like, dude, Alex is just, you know, right there with him. Yeah, I think I saw after Saturday, I think they said he weighed like 200, put, put like 228 pounds or something. He went up to like 228 or 230, something like that. So he packed on like 25 pounds after the weigh-in. So like, dude, that's insane. Like he was huge. Uh, him, him and Yuri, dude, good Lord, man. That is just going to be a barn burner. Like that is entertainment personified. That's exactly it. Cause yeah, Yuri, I mean, anytime he fights his entertainment personified, right? I mean, he's just a wild man. And then Alex, we know what we're getting there. So, yeah, I, but I do I do actually favor Alex in that fight, though. You know, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be quite the barn burner that we think it would be. I mean, Yuri's wild, and he does a lot of unpredictable things. But, you know, I th- I don't, I'm not sure if he's got anything that Alex hasn't seen. I mean, I'm sure, well, uh, he'll do some things nobody's seen, including Alex. But, you know, are they going to be effective enough to slow Alex down? Um, I'm not sure. I don't feel that way, to be honest. What scares me about that fight for Yuri is Yuri gets hit. Like Yuri yeah. is a guy who will who will take one to give one, and you can't take one to give one against Alex Pereira. Like that is just you're just setting yourself up for failure in that kind of situation because that dude hits like a freaking hammer. Um, Yuri, I mean Yuri. Like I said, every fight Yuri's had in the UFC, he's had moments where he was kind of in danger a little bit. You know what I mean? And you get you get slugged one or two times by Alex Pereira clean, dude. You're you're face down on the canvas wondering what the fuck just happened. Well, we'll have to see how that weight, how that power carries over at two oh five too. I mean, he hit Jan a few times and um he did rock him a little bit. I think he hurt him a couple of times, but it wasn't you know it wasn't fight ending, it didn't seem like. And of course, you know, that was we know what that fight was. You know, that's not necessarily gonna be the indicator for all of his fights going forward, but um, I think it'd be interesting to see how that, that power carries over. And I do think with Yuri, the one thing is we will see him get hit and we will see how that power carries over a little better. I do wonder a little bit with Alex though, like maybe he was, and I don't, I'm not making excuses for him, but I wonder if maybe he was trying to reserve himself a little bit because of the altitude, you know, and fighting like, because it, I mean, it clearly zapped yawn and it zapped everybody in the last time they fought in Salt Lake City. I wonder if maybe, maybe he wasn't putting as much power behind his punches so he could have that third round, you know what I mean? So he could still yeah. be going. Um, I wonder if maybe that like, cause, cause there were a couple of times where it looked like he didn't fully unleash uh, but maybe I'm just like, maybe I'm looking too much into it because you're absolutely right. Like, we don't know how that's going to translate. I think it's going to translate okay, but I wonder if maybe he was like, because he, he didn't look gas. Like, he still had energy in that third round, which I was wondering. Like, I thought it might affect him too, but he actually looked pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I think he was probably reserving more due to the takedown threat more so than, you know, his, his gas 
tank looked fine. It didn't seem like any of that was um, bugging him at all. Even, I mean, that first round was exhausting for him, having someone hang on your back like that and, you know, getting back up a couple times. Um, that was exhausting, and that certainly exhausted Jan. Um, but it, it did seem like, to me, what the feeling that I was getting was that Alex was holding back due to that takedown threat. Because, I mean, he knew that that was going to be what Jan was going to do at some point. And once Jan had success with it once, I mean, he's he can only open up so much, right? Because he knows that that's a possibility. Yeah, but you like you like Alex's chances against Yuri, and I I'm with you. Like I I love Yuri, man. Yuri's a monster, but like I said, you can't play that give one to take one game with someone like Alex. But that's just a that's just a that's a bad game to play with a dude like that. That is true, but. Uh, again, that power carrying over. I'm not sure that it'd be enough to um, end the fight with Yuri. It might hurt him enough that he can end the fight, but I don't see it as being a uh, one punch knockout type thing. Um, I'm just not seeing it now. Uh, we'll see how it plays out, but I don't see that, man. I think um, he, I think he could probably hurt Yuri a lot, and we we all know Yuri can survive just about anything. So and still come at you with the wildest double spinning elbow <laughs> impossible shit that you've ever seen. So uh, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. How crazy is Alex Pereira's UFC career? Though? He's like, he's like six fights into his career and he has a chance maybe becoming maybe becoming a double champion in his <laughs> next fight. How insane is that? Like, that's so crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he's done great the whole time too, man just the, the way he carries himself and the way that he goes out there and fights and, um, and he's, he's done it without hardly any grappling. That's the most amazing part. Right? Like, yeah. Like the guy does not have much grappling. I mean, I think John made that very clear. He is not a, a black belt. He is not high level. He's not getting up very well. Um, I mean, he's certainly not a bad rapper. Like he knows what he's doing, but you know, to to have, to be a double champ or you know have your second UFC title with uh probably I don't know purple belt level of grappling that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is super impressive. Uh the whole card, the whole main card was solid, man. Kevin Holland looked great, tapped out Michael Chiesa, that was nasty. Uh man, obviously that was Tony really impressive. Yeah, Tony Ferguson suffered a tough loss, man. Six in a row for him. Um, I know he talked after the fight about the eye poke and the eye poke sucked. And once again, I still believe like, dude, referees need to start penalizing these guys for things like that. Cause they are fight changing moves, but man, I like Tony, like, dude, like, listen, I love Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson is a, is a really good dude. I like him a lot, but I, I just don't want to see him get, I don't like six or five years ago, Tony Ferguson would, and that's not, I'm not knocking Bobby green. Like Bobby green's a really good fighter, but Bobby green would not have tapped out or, or choked out. He didn't even choke. He didn't even tap him out. Tony went to sleep, but like, I can't see Tony getting in that position. If he was still the Tony Ferguson of four or five years ago. Like, I just feel like, Man, you get old quick in this sport, and I feel like Justin Gaethje took a piece of Tony's soul when they fought a few years ago, and he's never been the same again. Six losses in a row, man. I just, like we talk, I said earlier, you, you want to retire from the sport, you don't want the sport to retire you, and I rarely tell guys to retire because I think that should be a decision a fighter makes on their own, but I just don't want to see Tony take much more punishment, man. It's kind of breaking my heart to see him go through this. Yeah, the tough thing is it just doesn't seem that there's a lot of matchups out there for him at this point, right? Unless he goes 
pretty far down in the rankings. But even then, I mean, you know, these up and covers, man, there's just so many killers out there and especially in the, those middle divisions, man. So it's just hard to see where he goes from here, you know, and, and that's giving somebody a big opportunity to make a name if he goes down and, uh, yeah, it's hard to see what, what like I don't know where he goes, man. That's a, it's a really tough one. I said you know? this I said this years ago. I remember when uh, a good friend of mine who's now a referee in California still talked to him, you know, really good dude Frank Trigg was in welterweight and he had lost a couple in a row and they released him and it was kind of a little bit of a shocker because you know Frank had been a good company guy and had some great fights and he got beat by Matt Sarah and they released him and I said, "Listen, there's a there's a financial reality where the UFC is going to yeah, they're going to show loyalty to a certain extent, but if you're making two, $300,000 a fight and you're losing, like unless you're willing to take less money, like they're not going to pay you a lot of money to lose on the undercard of, of a fight night card. You know what I mean? It's like Tony's Tony deserves to get paid a lot of money because he's put in the work and he was one of the best lightweights in the world for a long time. But like at some point there are diminishing returns on that. Like, are they going to pay Tony Ferguson $300,000 to fight a, a contender series guy on the undercard of a fight night, you know what I mean? Or something like Obviously Tony's a big enough name. He'll probably always be a main card guy, but you know what I mean? Like there's all these things that go into it, man. And like, I just, I don't know, man. Like I just, I guess my biggest factor is I just don't want to see Tony take more punishment. Like, you know what I mean? Like dude, right, he was right. getting, he was getting hit hard on the feet. His face was all bloodied up. Um, you know, I just, Dude, I just don't want to say I, I, I say that to a lot of people, man. I, there's just I don't want to see the guy deal with a seventh loss in a row to some random contender series guy just trying to get a win. Like, I don't want that for Tony Ferguson. And I'll tell you what, you know, it goes back to boxers preach about it all the time, man, having those fundamentals. And that's what's going to last you for a long time in your career. Whereas like like Tony has never really had those fundamentals. You know, he won a lot of his fights with awkward techniques, doing um, crazy things. And really coming forward really, really hard, taking shots, but giving way more than he was taking. You know, he did a lot of things, um, you know, that weren't really meant for longevity. So, you know, I think a lot of fighters, young fighters or young athletes, you know, could take a lesson from that. Like, you know, the fundamentals is what is going to create longevity for you. And um, that that to me has been Tony's biggest issue here. He's just he doesn't have those fundamentals to fall back on. Uh, we kind of always thought that his grappling and ground game would be the fundamentals that he would fall back on, but something seems to be missing there too. Yeah, he he didn't. Yeah, it was a weird. It was weird. Like he didn't he didn't have a good night wrestling. Like he's a good wrestler and he couldn't take Bobby Green down. Bobby got on top of him and was laying in some nasty punches and then obviously choked him out. Like I just, like I said, man, there's just like, there's no right or wrong time when, when a person's when w there's no right or wrong way for time to pass you by. Right. Like some guys are, are done at 32. Some guys are done at 46, like Randy Couture. There's no right or wrong way to it. Um, Tony with six losses in a row. Like, Will the UFC bring him back for one more? Probably. Maybe they go under an agreement where they say like we're going to give you one more, and then like you gotta you gotta be done, uh, or at least done with us. Uh, I just like I said, man, it breaks my heart, man, because like he's like he, Tony Ferguson is honestly like one of the greatest what ifs in this sports history because of everything that happened around that Khabib fight, you know, like he tried so, like so many times. And, like, I don't know that he would have beaten Khabib. I'll be honest. I wouldn't have picked him to beat Khabib, but at least he would have had the opportunity, right? And he never got that. 
And now he's on six losses in a row, and I'm like, dude, it kind of breaks my heart. Because, I again, I just don't want to see him go out there against some young sat. Like, we talked about it. Like, we, we celebrated the Robbie Lawler thing, like, when he beat Nico Price. But, like, we don't want the uh, Ehor Pateria thing with Shogun. Like, we don't want yeah. that to be our last memory of Tony Ferguson getting wiped out by some random dude from the Contender Series with, like, a 1-0 UFC record. Like, I just don't want that. Yeah, and you know that uh, that's a possibility too, right? That's <laughs> the, the biggest thing we've seen in the sport a million times. You know, like, I mean, even 20 plus fights deep in my career, I was still fighting guys that were one and oh, or debut guys, and things like that. And um, you've seen a million times, you said the Shogun fight. Um, that's a possibility in the sport, man. When you're in the UFC, you're under the lion's den and you're going to fight another lion, and that's all that there is to it. And, and which lion isn't really up to you. So, you know, Tony, I, I like I like seeing him go to a camp, you know, like a good camp. It seems like he kind of does his own thing, does all this awkward training all the way, all the time. And, um, you know, I would love to see him just go to a good spot, get some of those, you know, work on some of those fundamentals again. Um, you know, maybe try to up his game a little bit. You know, we, we all know he's got what he has, right? Like, you know, he's tougher than hell. You know, he can come forward. Um you know, he has, you know, some crazy submissions. He's got crazy good elbows. Um, but, you know, where's his jab? Like, where's his footwork? Where's, you know, some of the, you know, some, some of those basic fundamentals. I want to, I like to see those out of him. Would you like to see Tony fight again, though? Do you think, do you, would you like to get him, see him get one more? Or, or do you think he should, uh, you know, wrap a bow in the career at this point? Um, You know what the thing is? Yeah, I didn't think he looked that bad Saturday. Um, he didn't look terrible. But, again, I just didn't see any of the fundamentals. And when you're fighting Bobby Green, like, you better be fundamentally sound, right? Like, he's the guy that's going to pull off uh, athleticism. I mean, if, if I was looking – if I was Tony's manager and wanted to look at his career and give him advice on whether he should retire or not, you know, uh, I would look at his last six fights. They're not coming to my memory right now. I'm just sitting here talking. But in the last fight it, it, with Bobby Green, it looked to me like, you know, it was a, it was a bad matchup for him to start with and he wasn't able to adapt to it again because he didn't he doesn't have those fundamentals ingrained into his core um so like if i were advising him if he was my guy i was coaching him like i would suggest that he go to a good camp where he gets a what you know maybe even like a good boxing camp i know he was working with a good boxing coach for a while but you know good boxing it's just somewhere that's where you're just going to have to use those fundamentals all the time um you know, and let's, you know, you have to know the rules to break the rules, you know, and, and that's where Tony seems to be failing in my humble opinion is he's out there just breaking all the rules. He's not abiding by any of the rules. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, Real quick before we get out of here, Matt, you know, obviously UFC 291 was an incredible card uh, top to bottom. We also saw one of the most amazing boxing performances of recent memory with Terrence Crawford just absolutely beating the brakes off of Errol Spence Jr. I did not I I not to say I wouldn't have picked Terrence Crawford to win the fight. I didn't see it going that way. Like I didn't think it would be that one side of a fight. Uh I know you're a big boxing guy. How impressed were you with uh, with Terrence Crawford on Saturday night? Um unfortunately I still haven't got to see that fight. I plan on watching the Sunday morning, got busy. This time that we're doing this podcast was actually my first chance that I had <laughs> to watch the fight, but I decided to do the podcast instead, but I've seen the highlights. Um, I know basically what happened. 
And the fact that he even did it without me even watching it, I mean, it is uber impressive. I mean, you can't say enough good things about it. Um, and I, I put up a thing on Twitter the other day. I posted, I said, you know, what was more impressive, Inouye or Crawford? And everybody said Crawford. Um, even, you know, the people that I follow that I know are legit, not not casual boxing fans. You know, people that are hardcore boxing fans. And knowing what Inouye did earlier in the week, whatever Crawford did was pretty fucking amazing. So, and the fact that he stopped Errol Spence, man, I mean, that's a, uh, and that's very, very, very impressive. I mean, Errol's a tough guy, man, and, and quick. And it seemed like he just shut down everything that Errol wanted to do. Um, again, without watching it. So hopefully I'll get to watch that later tonight and I'll have a better opinion next week. Speaking of high-level boxing, uh, you know, right on par with Crawford Spence this weekend, Jake Paul and Nate Diaz, man, that's like right there, like Spence and, Spence and Crawford, and, you know, Spence and uh, <laughs> but then you got Jake and Diaz right below him, man. Oh, I forgot that was this weekend. What else is going on this weekend? Anything, <laughs> can I watch uh, a different fight this weekend? Is there anything uh, else to watch? Corey Sandhagen is fighting, uh, is fighting Rob Font in the main event Ooh, at UFC National. Yeah. That's a good one, so. Yeah, Fox step in a little bit short notice, right? Uh, but they're doing a catch weight. They're doing a catch weight. It's like 141, yeah. I think. So they're not doing, you know, they're not making yeah. him cut to 135. So, okay. I don't think that's going to phase either guy too much. But, you know, boy, Fox, I'm always impressed with that guy. So I'm really looking forward to this fight because he has those fundamentals that I was just talking about. You talk about a jab, that son of a bitch has a jab, like just about no, maybe the best jab in the UFC. Him and, uh, I think his training partner, Calvin Qatar, right? This guy's yeah. supposed to jab all day long. Like, can you imagine the two of them sparring? They're just <laughs> jabbing shit out of each other the whole time. <laughs> but, yeah, and, you know, that's how you beat a guy like Sandhagen. You know, you you set that that foundation with that jab, man. You know, I mean, there's other ways to do it for sure, but, you know, that is a great way to do it. So I think this fight could be a lot closer than people give you credit for or give it credit for because um, I think most people are probably assuming Sandhagen's going to, dominate this and he may very well but i think if font comes out is able to start getting that jab off and set his distance and and get sanhagen off of his uh out of his flow i think it could get pretty interesting i agree with you i think listen i'm i'm not gonna lie and say i'm not picking sanhagen because i am because i'm a big believer in Corey sanhagen but Rob Font ain't going away man this could be a barn burner like this could be a five-round war because font is super tough he, he he's looked and he's looked really good in his last couple of fights. Like he made yeah. some massive improvements after he lost. I think it was when he lost to Cheeto and he came back, man, his last couple of fights, like he's just looked real strong. The the power's higher. That jab is nasty. Um, yeah, this is a great fight. Great main event too, man. The rest of the card, a little lackluster, but that main event is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm with you. Like I'm going to pick San Hagen because I, I think San Hagen will be, prepared for that jab. I think he'll be, be prepared for Font very well. And I think overall, like San Hagen just has way too many weapons and way too many ways to win. So I think the smart money would be on San Hagen. Uh, but I think Font could make it real interesting and pull out an upset, uh, real interesting and potentially pull out an upset here. Yeah. So what do you think about Paul and Diaz? Do you have a pick in that one? Because uh, I like Nate Diaz. Let me be clear about that. I think Nate's awesome. I, I love what Nate has done throughout his career. And uh, he was always like a fun guy to watch. And, and dude, I'm happy he's getting paid all the like, Again, I know it's always like a preamble to me basically say he's going to lose. Uh, 
But I just think, dude, I think size matters. And while I think Diaz is a better fighter, like he's obviously a better fighter, um, he's not a, he's not really a middleweight. Like they're fighting at 185 pounds. Like he's barely a welterweight. Like he's actually a lightweight. You know what I mean? Nate Diaz is really a lightweight. Did he find some success at welterweight in the UFC? Sure. And I understand boxing is different than MMA. I understand two totally different sports. But that's like 30 pounds difference. And listen, is Jake the most skilled guy in the world? No. Is he going to be a world champion legitimately? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, he's still not bad. He's still you know fundamentally not bad. And he's still got a rock for a right hand. And Nate at 37, 38, 39. I can't remember how old Nate Diaz is. Like, he's taking a lot of damage, like, and, and Nate's, like, pitter-pat punches were with four-ounce gloves. Now he's doing it with, like, 10-ounce gloves. I, I just – I don't give Nate a great chance in this fight. I love Nate. I think he's awesome, but I don't give him a, I don't give him a great shot to win this fight. Yeah, I'm right. I, I agree with everything you said, and I think that I'm pretty much on the same page as everyone else. I, I think everybody who's watching this fight knows, like, Jake is the bigger guy. He has a good right hand. Right hand against Southpaw, that's the weapon of choice. Um, he's probably going to land that right hand a few times. He's probably going to hurt Nate pretty bad, probably get a TKO stoppage. Um, with that said, if he doesn't, though, if Nate's able to survive those first few rounds, like we've also seen Jake gas, and that, uh, or at least, you know, maybe not gas, gas, but, you know, we've seen him slow down, seen him get a little bit tired. If Nate can handle those first few rounds, push through, make this a longer fight, I believe it's an eight round match. 10 rounds. Right. It's 10 rounds. 10 rounds. Okay. Okay. Even better for Nate, right? So, you know, if he can get through those first few rounds and um, start to wear Jake down a little bit, I mean, we all know what Nate can do once he gets you worn down. If you slow down on him, yeah, he's going to fuck you up. And that's, uh, I'm sure that's the game plan for both these guys, right? Like, like Jake's going to go out there and try to hit him and hurt him early. Um, Nate's going to try to make this a, a long marathon, 10 round match. And, uh, you know, but I'm with you. I mean, I, I think Jake can probably keep him off and, um, you know, probably throw a big right hand, tie him up a little bit, wear his arms out, um, do the, you know, keep kind of repeating that, rinse and repeat over and over. And, you know, it's just hard to give Nate a chance on this fight. Um, going, like you say, going up 30 pounds. I mean, it's, yeah. And, you know, Jake's probably been on steroids for a while. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing, I'm guessing they're probably not testing um, you know, at least anything stringent in a fight like this. I'm not sure what the Jake Paul promotions uh, testing policy is, but I'm guessing <laughs> it's probably not that much. And, you know, and I'm not hating on that either, right? You know, I'm just, I'm just saying it is an advantage that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't hate on people taking steroids at all, uh, only when it's illegal, right? If, if it's understood by both parties, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. So with, uh, with that said, the... Um, you know, Jake's been on him for a while and Nate has probably been on him for a short amount of time, which is just going to be another advantage to Jake Paul. Yeah. I think this, I think it really is a story of two fights. Like at first, I think the first couple, three, four rounds are going to be where Jake is at his best, but you're right. He does slow down. And if, if Nate can survive and then start pouring out, you know, pouring out the volume in, in five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, he has a shot, but just like I said, man, size matters, power matters, and and again, Nate's taken a lot of damage throughout his career. Like we can't ignore that. Like Jake is twenty five or twenty six, Nate's like thirty eight, thirty nine, with like a lot of fights on his on his record. Like that does count, you know what I mean? Over time, 
Um, but like I said, I don't I don't count Nate out. But listen, dude, this is J- Jake Paul has to know. Like, in a, I'm not going to say it's do or die for Jake Paul because Jake's still a star and there's going to be interest in him. But like Tommy Fury, like I I was not the guy. You know, I did not really consider Tommy Fury a super legitimate opponent, but he was like an actual boxer. It was a close fight, but Jake, in my opinion, clearly lost. This is technically kind of like a step back because he's taken on an, uh, you know, Nate Diaz, a great MMA fighter. He's never boxed. He's 0 and 0. You know what I mean? He's 0 and 0 as a boxer. Uh, this is a step down or a step back from Tommy Fury. Jake needs to win this fight. Like, he can't lose to Nate Diaz. Like, he just can't. If he really wants to move forward yeah. with a legitimate boxing career and not just get loped, just not get roped into the influencer fights forever, he has to beat Nate Diaz. He cannot lose this fight. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And so, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him for that. Nate really doesn't have a whole lot to lose, right? Like, he's probably not expected to win by a lot of people. He's going there for a payday. Probably doesn't really care a ton. I mean, he's a competitor and wants to win in that sense. And, you know, he's a fighter, so he's going to want to win. But, you know, the stakes are way higher for Jake Paul, I think, too. So I think that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Jake, like I said, I'm not saying it's do or die because Jake can still have other influencer fights or whatever. But, uh, you know, he, I mean, and again, I'm, I'm being honest and saying that I don't know how legitimate Jake Paul will ever be. You know what I mean? I don't know how legitimate he's ever going to be, but if he wants to get Tommy Fury again, he can't lose to Nate Diaz. Like he can't like build a Tommy Fury rematch. If he gets, if he gets punched, you know, for 800 strikes in a row for five rounds by Nate Diaz, like, you know, does Nate Diaz have a chance to win this fight? Yes. And Jake Paul cannot afford to lose this fight. Like Nate Diaz loses, we're all kind of like, well, you know, we kind of saw it coming and Nate can go back to the UFC. Maybe he fights Connor again, or maybe he fights Poirier, or maybe he does another boxing match against somebody else and make, you know, we're, like Nate, Nate is good. <laughs> Jake is like, he has to win. Like he cannot lose to yeah. Nate Diaz and, and be expected to still, you know, at, at whatever he'd be at that point, six and two as a pro, like you can't lose to Nate Diaz and think you're, you're still going to be a, a real deal in boxing. You know, maybe then he goes to PFL and fights MMA. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a great point. So, but I guess you'll probably be watching, huh? Are you covering it? I am. I'll be late covering it, but I am going to cover it. Yes, I am. Jeremy Stevens fighting Chris Avila on the undercard. That should be interesting. Uh, Ashton Silva's fighting, uh, Amanda Serrano. So yeah, yeah, it's, it is what it is, man. And, um, I do give Jake credit, man. He's building up people around him. You know, the Ashton Silk kid is, is one of his guys. And obviously Amanda Serrano putting him on the card on the undercard, getting him paid. I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, I'm glad that Jake's bringing up people and, um, you know, I do give him credit for that. I don't know if, you know, he's ever going to be the guy to get a fighter union started. That might be a touch too far, but, uh, you know, good for him. And like I said, dude, you know, I hope it's fun. I just, I don't expect it to be a great fight. I just hope it's fun. Yeah. I guess I'll probably be with you. I'll probably end up watching the fight just like all these big <laughs> celebrity, whatever you want to call them, influencer fights or whatever. I end up watching it and wishing that I didn't. You hate watching. You you hate watching. Like God, I can't believe I'm watching this. But everyone's yeah, gonna be talking exactly. about it, so you have to. That's exactly it. <laughs> so. Oh man. Well, well, we'll we'll probably talk about that next week. Hopefully, we have a great fight to talk about as well. Of course, with uh, with Corey Sanhagen and, and Rob Font. Yeah. We're getting, and so we'll talk about that, of course, next week as well. Uh, Matt, people want to check you out. Whatever you got going on, where can they find you? What else you got going on? And I'm Immortal Twitter and Instagram at the Immortal Coffee Twitter and Instagram. You know where to find me. Let's get it. 
Love it. Matt, uh, we will be back next week for another edition of the Fighter vs. the Rider. Everyone enjoy the fights this weekend. Try to get some enjoyment out of Nate Diaz and uh, and, and Jake Paul. And uh, really look forward to Corey Sanhagen and uh, Rob Font. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Fighter vs. the Rider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.